I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. Today's podcast, Heritability of Intraocular Pressure and Cup-to-Disc Ratios. They're really going to help us to understand for the first time where cataracts come from, where refractive error comes from, where glaucoma comes from. I mean, these very common diseases are still very poorly understood. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Nathan Congdon declares speaking fees and research support from Alcon, Pfizer, and Reichert Instruments. You can now get Category 1 CME credit for listening to As Seen From Here. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the link marked CME. For right now, you'll need to print the quizzes out and mail them in. We hope to have electronic versions of the quiz available by the end of this year. Big news for iTunes users. You can now get As Seen From Here through iTunes. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the iTunes Users link. Then click the subscribe button and you're done. A patient comes to your office for a routine exam, and you make the diagnosis of glaucoma. Do you ask the patient to have his family members examined? What if your patient has physiologic cupping or ocular hypertension? Are these findings heritable? The heritability of intraocular pressure and cup-to-disc ratios is the subject of Nathan Congdon's recent paper in ophthalmology, and Dr. Congdon is my guest today. Nathan Congdon, welcome to the podcast. Prior to this study, what evidence existed of a familial propensity for elevated intraocular pressures and large cup-to-disc ratios? Probably the best evidence that it runs in families had been reported by the Beaver Dam group. They had a paper that came out in 2004 that talked a little bit about uh, heritability of some of these risk factors. That was an overwhelmingly white population, about 99% white, and our population was of particular interest because it included both uh, white and black subjects. There certainly is other uh, evidence out there that there is uh, there's a connection. Uh, perhaps the strongest is the evidence that uh, people of African descent have got larger cup-to-disc ratio than people of white descent, and that's been shown in a number of population-based studies, including uh, the Baltimore Eye Survey. But in terms of going through and calculating the heritability and looking in a, uh, uh, a careful fashion, I think probably the, the best other study out there was the uh, the Beaver Dam study. There are other studies that have, have looked at this, certainly. Uh, Levine uh, had uh, looked at the issue of uh, heritability of intraocular pressure and had found uh, rates that were somewhat comparable, rates of uh, 40 to 50 percent heritability. There are some studies from, uh, from Finland that have, uh, have looked at this as well. Can I have you describe the design of the study? The design of the study is interesting in the sense that we were looking at, at trying to find siblings that were older people. So we started out in the C or Salisbury Eye Evaluation Study, which is a study that's been ongoing for nearly a decade that began with people who were of Medicare age and above. So they had to be 65 to be in the study. And since our sub-study was done about a decade into the C study, the average age of our patients was, uh, was near the around 75 or so. And what we did is uh, talk to everybody that, as they came in for their fourth round of follow-up 
in the C study and asked them if they had a, a living sibling within 100 miles of either Baltimore or Salisbury on the eastern shore of Maryland. And if they did have uh, a sibling uh, that close, we would ask their permission to contact the sibling. And then the siblings were called. We got informed consent from them and did a little bit of a phone interview and then brought them in for the same kind of comprehensive examination that the, uh, the original uh, C proband uh, had had. And that examination involved uh, a dilated examination of the eye, measurement of the cup-to-disc ratio, disc photos, a measurement of ventricular pressure, uh, grading of the appearance of, of the uh, actual photo, photographs of the lens that were later, later graded for cataract, and an examination of the, uh, the back of the eye. And on the basis of that, we've published a number of papers now that have looked at the aggregation within families of some of these traits, uh, nuclear sclerotic cataract, cortical cataract, um, posterior subcapsular cataract, uh, and then refractive error. We also looked at uh, their, uh, their need for glasses and found very high correlation of those things. And then uh, we looked also at uh, intraocular pressure and cup-to-disc ratio. Now, it, it's interesting. If you look, we were basically looking at these people on a population basis. And if you ascertain cases of glaucoma on a population basis, that's not a very effective way to study glaucoma. Uh, you're going to have to look at uh, probably about 100 people in order to find four or five with glaucoma in this age range. So what we did instead was look at continuous variables, intraocular pressure and cup-to-disc ratio, because basically everybody has one. Uh, everybody is going to have some measured intraocular pressure, and everybody will have uh, a characteristic uh, cup-to-disc ratio. That way, all of the people that came in, whether they had glaucoma or not, in fact, the vast majority didn't, were able to contribute information uh, to this study and contribute some power to this study. The long-term goal of the study will be to look at uh, what's called a genome-wide scan that's being done uh, with uh, SNP markers right now for us at the Center for Inherited Disease Research, or CIDR. And we'll be, we'll be trying to find uh, loci throughout the genome that actually control these traits, the different kinds of cataract, glaucoma, uh, or the uh, intraocular pressure and cup-to-disc ratio, and also refractive error. And these studies can be challenging to do uh, because finding siblings that are old enough to be expressing these phenotypes like cataract uh, can, can be quite a challenge. How large was the patient population in this study? What was the size of the patient base? The total patient base for the study that we did here was on the order of uh, 800 subjects, 726 subjects that we had uh, for this particular study. Uh, the different studies that we've done with this population have had slightly smaller or slightly larger numbers because some of the parameters like intraocular pressure and cup-to-disc ratio, it hasn't always been possible to measure on every single person. But in this case, about 730 individuals. Now, on that same theme of comparing pressures, some of the patients in this study were patients with glaucoma who were on glaucoma medications, on, on drops in order to lower pressure in the eye. How did you compare those patients' pressures to their unmedicated siblings? That's a good question, and it's uh, a somewhat controversial issue of how to approach that. Uh, in this case, what we elected to do is what we call intraocular pressure adjustment. In eyes with current use of pressure-lowering meds or who had a history of glaucoma surgery, we adjusted the reported intra intraocular pressure values by an amount representative of the effect of standard pressure-lowering treatment. 
and that was based on data from uh, several studies, the collaborative initial glaucoma treatment study, the ocular hypertension treatment trial, and the early manifest glaucoma trial. Based on those studies, we chose a 25% reduction in pressure as being fairly representative of what could be accomplished with treatment. And uh, then the reported pressure in those eyes with a history of such pressure-lowering treatment was increased by 33% in order to approximate the, the pretreated uh, pressure values. We actually looked at our results both with and without uh, that modification, and uh, we didn't find uh, a big difference either way, uh, but we thought it was important to uh, at least try to, to deal with this issue of, uh, um, of the possible effect of uh, uh, treatment on, uh, on pressure. And it's important to remember that only a relatively small proportion of these people, this was not on a population basis, and uh, fewer than 10% of these guys were actually uh, on any kind of treatment. What were the findings of this study? Uh, the findings that we had were, uh, were interesting, uh, and they did generally suggest that, uh, that there was a significant impact of genetics on these factors. For pressure, we found the heritability. Now, it's important in order, in order to describe the results, we need to talk just a little bit about uh, the definition of some of these terms. Heritability is a term that means the percentage of variation of a particular trait that can be explained by genetic factors. And what we try to do in, in figuring that out is to look at any environmental factors that might be involved and basically remove those uh, from the equation by adjusting for them. And then what we're left with is the amount of variation that's uh, caused by presumed genetic factors. So in this case, we found the heritability, that is the percentage of the trait explained by uh, presumed genetic factors, to be 29% for intraocular pressure and about 56% for cup-to-disc ratio. What that's telling us is not surprising. It looks as if the intraocular pressure is, uh, has a lower heritability than the cup-to-disc ratio. And I think the reason for that is that intraocular pressure varies quite a bit throughout the day. So there's going to be more noise in those measurements. We might have happened to catch uh, brother number one in the morning uh, at the, the high point of his uh, daily variation and maybe we caught brother number two in the afternoon at the low point of his. And so um, to find uh, any kind of association there su suggests that there's something really going on uh, because there's so much variation throughout the day that would be expected to, uh, to mask uh, the connection. Cup-to-disc ratio is comparatively a more robust thing that, that really doesn't vary, and so we're not surprised to find a, a higher heritability for cup-to-disc ratio. We also found that the mean pressure for siblings of probands with glaucoma was statistically significantly higher than it was for siblings of normal probands. And the mean cup-to-disc ratio in siblings of glaucomatous probands was also larger than in siblings of glaucoma suspects and also of normal probands. So uh, we had some suggestion that if you're related to a glaucoma person, a person with glaucoma, or a person who's suspected to have glaucoma, your own risk profile measured by intraocular pressure and cup-to-disc ratio is likely to be uh, a little bit worse. Uh, so it, it suggests that, that, uh, that these things, the, uh, the cup-to-disc ratio and the intraocular pressure, do explain part of the increased risk that we know is there uh, among people who are first-degree relatives of people with glaucoma. Did the results vary by race? The findings did not exactly vary by race. We, we had a relatively small proportion of, of folks who were black. It was only about 25%. 
Uh, but we found that the cut-to-disc uh, heritability for blacks was about 0.43, and for whites was about 0.62. So we did find some uh, some modest differences there. Now, the black participants did have larger cup-to-disc ratio than whites, as has been reported in the past. But what I guess I would say overall is that we, we didn't find that there were striking differences about the way that that these uh, things are inherited between the two races. Uh, we had uh, relatively uh, relatively low power uh, to do sub-analyses by race, but uh, but what we did find was was pretty similar uh, picture for, for both blacks and whites. How do your results compare to those of the Beaver Dam study? Our findings are pretty similar to what was found in the Beaver Dam study. Uh, the Beaver Dam study had uh, 36% heritability uh, as opposed to the 29% heritability for intraocular pressure. Uh, again, the, the difference between those uh, two studies uh, relate to the fact that, that we were dealing with a mixed-race population. They had a largely white population. And actually, when we looked at the intraocular pressure heritability just among whites, we came up with 35%, which is actually very close to the 36% figure uh, that they had. In terms of the uh, findings on cup-to-disc ratio, uh, we found uh, 0.56, and that's uh, fairly close. Beaver Dam, I think, had found 0.48, so we were a little bit higher. And there was another study that had actually found uh, a value even higher than that of 0.80. Um, so I would say that these these findings are, are in line with uh, what's been out there. What was interesting and a little bit different in our study is that we did also look at this issue about uh, being related to a proband with glaucoma or suspected to have glaucoma and did find that there was uh, an increased risk profile in terms of the intraocular pressure and uh, the cup-to-disc ratio, that the, both IOP and cup-to-disc were uh, statistically higher among people that were related to folks with glaucoma as opposed to those who were related to, to people without glaucoma. When you say a glaucoma suspect, how did you determine who is a glaucoma suspect? Did you look at the patient's charts? What, what defined a glaucoma suspect for the purpose of this study? Well, we did have criteria. Um, subjects were defined as having glaucoma if there was uh, glaucomatous damage to the optic nerve uh, in association with compatible visual field loss or if there was severe optic nerve damage without a reliable reproducible visual field. The uh, suspects were people who had only one of those factors, who had uh, a, a visual field that was concerning or had optic nerve uh, that was concerning but didn't have both. In your data, how did pressure correlate with age? Uh, we did find the uh, the inverse correlation with uh, with age and intraocular pressure, with the, uh, the pressure going down with age, and that it's it's dependent. In different different studies have found different things. It's it's usually in most Western populations it's been found that the pressure rises with age. Uh, interestingly, though, in Asian populations, it's often been reported that either it's stable or it may actually drop slightly with age. The feeling is that probably the reason that in Western populations it rises is because of factors such as systolic blood pressure and cholesterol and some of these other cardiovascular risk factors uh, that explain the association. What's possible is that in our population, because all of these folks were fairly old to begin with, uh, that we didn't find that association. That is, the 
time in which the real increase in pressure is going on in western populations may actually be during the 50s and 60s and these guys were mostly in their 70s and 80s and so you know in a survivor population people who have made it into their 70s and 80s probably all have fairly decent blood pressure and for that reason probably we're not seeing the continued rise in intraocular pressure during during that period um, and that might be why they're behaving a little bit more like a Japanese population where we have a lot less cardiovascular risk factors and without those cardiovascular risk factors, intraocular pressure is, is not increasing. So that's probably what's going on, a survivor effect where the older folks here uh, are not uh, having that continued rise in intraocular pressure because they've got better cardiovascular uh, risk profiles. That, that seems to underlie the, the reported uh, pressure rise with age in, in most Western populations. What are MYOC and OPTN? Those are genes that have been associated with glaucoma in other, in other studies. There, and mutations in those areas are thought to be important. In, in MYOC, it's thought that there's uh, an obstruction of aqueous outflow and, uh, and elevation of pressure and, and problems with glaucoma in that respect. OPTN is one which is thought to be speak more to the ability of the nerve to resist damage from glaucoma. And in general, the fact of uh, elevated intraocular pressure as being present in people who are related to glaucoma probands is consistent with the type of gene like MYOC, which is associated with elevated pressure rise. The fact of finding uh, this high heritability of cup-to-disc ratio and finding higher cup-to-disc ratio in probands of people with glaucoma uh, is perhaps consistent with genes that function like OPTN, that is, that increase the susceptibility of the optic nerve to damage. So, you know, the, the two findings that we had, the, the finding of intraocular pressure and cup-to-disc ratio as both being heritable, are consistent with what we know of the, the types of genes that appear to be associated with glaucoma in that those genes are functioning both by raising intraocular pressure, some of them like myosillin, and increasing the susceptibility of the optic nerve to damage like OPTN. Nathan, how have the findings of this study informed your own practice? And what I mean is this, if a patient comes to your office with suspicious looking cups with large cup to disc ratios but normal pressures and a normal field, are you inclined to bring in family members to establish whether large cup-to-disc ratios run in the patient's family, or does that information not really help you distinguish whether it is physiologic cupping or glaucoma anyway? It's a good question, and I guess the way I would answer that would be that, that genetics does play an increasing role in how I manage glaucoma, but not in the sense of doing genetic, actual genetic screening on all my patients or of doing certainly uh, genetic therapies. But as you suggest, in terms of managing the, um, the, the family association risk, I certainly ask all my patients about whether they have a family member with glaucoma. And insofar as actually asking family members to come in or recommending treatment for family members, I won't usually do that just on the basis of an elevated cup-to-disc ratio because, as you suggest, that may be non-informative. Uh, I don't know if the, the family member having a large cup-to-disc ratio is evidence of uh, glaucoma or whether it's just an evidence uh, of, a, of an inherited uh, tendency to have a large cup-to-disc ratio. But if I, I think somebody is uh, a 
either a pretty high-level suspect or definitely has glaucoma, I will, uh, as a, a usual matter of practice, tell them that they ought to have the family members checked out and ask them whether their family members are being seen. And uh, I think that's a very effective way of helping to bring people into care. We know from population-based studies like the Baltimore Eye Survey that in this country, only about half of people with glaucoma actually know they have it. And they tend to be people who have elevated intraocular pressure. Often people with lower pressure who have glaucoma uh, simply aren't picked up. I think a lot of people still have the mindset that, uh, that pressure determines glaucoma. And it's an important risk factor, but it's clearly by no means a uh, cutoff that we can use for screening for glaucoma. So anything that we can do to increase that percentage of people who are picked up and treated by the system is clearly going to be a benefit. You know, the last decade of trials have demonstrated for us quite definitively that treating glaucoma helps. It reduces the risk of progression. If we can help to bring in those additional 50% uh, that, that aren't known, then we're obviously doing a service. I think we're not yet at the point where it makes sense for us to be going out into the community and doing large screenings. Uh, I think our ability to detect glaucoma is still not, our ability and our efficiency for detecting glaucoma are still not at a high enough level that it, that it makes sense for us to be going and doing big nationwide screenings. But if we can identify groups that we know are clearly at risk, like family members of glaucoma, that, that's a terrific group for us to be making a real effort to focus on. I know the Academy of Ophthalmology is working in this direction with their Help the Family program, the Target the Family program. And, uh, you know, we're uh, certainly very much in support of that. And I think the results of this paper uh, clearly provide some intellectual underpinnings for, for doing that. This current study looked at heritability of intraocular pressures and cup-to-disc ratios, but this same population has been studied for heritability of lens opacities. Can you summarize for us the results of the data looking at heritability of cataracts? The lens, find, lens findings have been published and also the findings with regards uh, to refractive error. And what we generally found was uh, very strong heritability for nuclear cataract, modest heritability for cortical cataract, not, no, no significant heritability for posterior subcapsular cataract, very significant heritability for uh, hyperopia, and uh, quite significant heritability for myopia as well. So there's, there's quite a lot of evidence that the, really, I guess, the, the, the leading cause of blindness in the world, uh, cataract, and the leading cause of um, low vision in the United States, uh, cataract and, uh, and refractive error, and also the number two cause of blindness in the world, glaucoma, all three of those things uh, have been demonstrated to have pretty strong genetic components. And I think uh, what I would say by way of conclusion is that we're entering a very exciting time where genetics up until now has really focused largely on the inheritance of Mendelian diseases simply because doing the kind of genetic testing, the genome-wide scans and the things that it would take in order to uh, find loci uh, has been efficient to do only for relatively small families with very clear patterns of strong inheritance. Now that we're getting more efficient at doing things like genome-wide scans, high-throughput genetics, now that we have better mathematics to understand uh, how to analyze the, the forest of data that we're going to get uh, from doing these studies, we're entering a period where we are going to be able to not only find a lot about how these uh, important diseases of aging, the, the main causes of blindness and low vision in the world, are inherited, but also, as we understand how they're inherited, I think that will give us important new information about 
the biochemical pathways that actually cause these conditions. I think they're really going to help us to understand for the first time where cataracts come from, where refractive error comes from, where glaucoma comes from. I mean, these very common diseases are still very poorly understood. One of my uh, biggest hopes and interests is that will permit us to um, manipulate and eventually to prevent particularly cataract. I mean, you're talking about world's leading cause of blindness. The only approach we have right now is surgical. That's an approach which is very unlikely to be ever implementable uh, in the larger areas of the developing world where cataract is still a huge problem. Uh, there's been tremendous strides and uh, successes that have been done in, in India and a lot of, uh, lot of progress, uh, but the fact remains that there are huge areas of the world where cataract surgical rates are uh, about a tenth of what WHO recommends they should be. And one of my dreams is that the genetic studies that we do may help us eventually to be able to prevent uh, diseases like cataract uh, without uh, having to do uh, the expensive surgeries uh, that, uh, that we currently do, which I think is, is likely going to leave out large chunks of the world's population if we always take the surgical approach. So no one's saying that, that we're on the very brink of uh, cracking these very difficult diseases, but my hope is over the next uh, few decades, we'll see some important advances that will help us to really better understand and better treat the world's leading causes of blindness and low vision. Nathan Congdon, thank you very much. Sure, no problem at all. Good to talk to you. Nathan Congdon is Associate Professor of Ophthalmology and International Health at the Johns Hopkins University Schools of Medicine and Public Health in Baltimore, Maryland. His paper, Determinants and Heritability of Intraocular Pressure and Cup-to-Disc Ratio in a Defined Older Population, appears in the July 2005 issue of Ophthalmology. I've been asked by several listeners to create a mailing list to distribute information about upcoming programs. To keep with the podcast's interactive theme, I've set up a discussion group. By joining the group, you will get occasional emails from me describing upcoming programs, topics I'm working on, and guests I have lined up for interviews. You'll also be able to suggest papers and guests for future podcasts, and you'll be able to discuss the podcasts with other listeners. To get enrolled, click on the Contact Us button on asseenfromhere.com and indicate that you want to be enrolled in the mailing list in the message body. I will... Of course, not send spam. Colon, close parentheses, Josh. Ask questions of Dr. Congdon or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.